Mr. Session. Uh, all right, let's look at 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. But while you're turning there, verse 21 of chapter 3, fourth chapter. Yeah, four. But I wanted to mention one verse out of chapter 3, 20, verse 21 of chapter 3. Paul says, Therefore, let no man glory in men. And I think that establishes the whole tenor of chapter 4, the whole attitude of it. So Paul says, Let a man so account of us, that is he and all in his working with him, as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. So they need to think right about Paul and the others. And it says, moreover, as you've got us in your minds as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, it is required in stewards, which is what we are, that a man be found faithful. He didn't say that a man should be found successful. Now you could make a point that success in the eyes of God is not the same thing as success in the eyes of most men, most human beings. You get success in the eyes of human beings, you've got lots of, lots of nickels and lots of noses. Lots of power, lots of possessions, but that's not necessarily success in the eyes of God. Success for God, because he doesn't need anything you've got anyway. Success in God's eyes is that you be found faithful to him and to his word. So, and then Paul lets these people know here at Corinth, and obviously he's had some Nipping at him, he says, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of or by you. Or of man's judgment, yea, I judge not mine own self. Now notice that three, three places judgment can come from about yourself. He said, I don't care about the judgment coming from you all. It's a very small thing with me, how you judge me. Now, he's not being flippant on that. He's just saying that I don't believe that you can judge me, not in any final sense like God will judge me. He says, so it's a small thing with me, or just man's judgment in, in particular. Uh, people have lots, way off opinions of what a preacher ought to be. They think a preacher ought to be loved by everybody. And you can't be that way. I like what John MacArthur says. He said, you think I offended somebody? He said, that's what I'm here for, is to offend you. <laughs> well, I mean, the truth offends the flesh, and it does. So he says, he said, but now, I've said I don't. I, I, it's a small thing with me if I'm judged by you. It's a small thing with me if I'm judged of man's judgment. But he said, now you're going to cap that off. I don't even judge my own self. 
Now, what's he mean by that? Paul can't judge his works in no final sense. Only God can do that. And so, do what you can before God. Match up with his word. And let God, God will handle the rest of it. That's all we can do. You can't live your life. Now, I'm not talking about being wild and ungodly. I'm talking about uh, you can't live your life worried about being judged by everybody else. You just can't do that. Paul says, for I know nothing by myself, talking about his own judgment. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. So I can't justify me. Only the Lord can. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. Not in any, in any final sense. Until the Lord come. Now notice he doesn't say, if, if your theology is right, or if you think, you know, if you got the right, right scheme of your theology, it's not until the Lord come. The Lord's coming. Uh, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. See, there's why you can't judge. Nobody else can. There's hidden things of darkness and nobody can judge except God. And will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Well, everybody doesn't reveal what's on them. Now, some people... You can be around them two or three minutes and you pretty much know their whole life story. They don't told it all to you. <laughs> then there are others that don't tell you anything. We're not in the shape that we can judge anybody. But you can't do that with God. God already knows. His eyes are as flame of fire. <laughs> now, and then shall every man have praise of God. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to have praise. But if there's going to be any praise, then, then it will come, but not now. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. So Paul says, I'm using myself and Apollos as examples. I've transferred that in a figure to us. But to teach you that you're not to lift yourself up above somebody else or walk as being tranced underneath them. Being puffed up from one against another. That's what a Puff adder does. Blows himself up to look like he's bigger than what he is. Cats do that. You know. Verse 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? If you differ from somebody else, who made you differ from somebody else? Better or worse? Who made you? And what hast thou... That thou didst not receive. What do you have that's worth talking about that you didn't receive from God? Amen. Well, now if thou didst receive it, 
meaning it came from God. Why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Why do you glory in this thing? Well, I, 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 I got that myself. Well, look, look at what Nebuchadnezzar did. Looked out over his kingdom and said, look what I've done. Look what a kingdom, I, look what I've done. And at that moment, God's removing it, turned him into a cow. Seven years he ate grass like a cow. And then after that, God turned his mind back to him and he said, he doeth it according to his will in the army of heaven and on earth. And none can say unto him, what doest thou? <laughs> so, why would you glory in it as if thou hadst not received it? Years ago, you'd probably know who it was if I told you. I came in the, I don't know where we were somewhere. It had to be somewhere, didn't we? Anyway. Uh, this pastor's wife was at a conference someplace. I guess I just got done preaching, I don't know. Her and her husband, she walked up to me, she said, I don't know why God gave you that voice and not my husband. I said, well, I don't either. I said, the best thing he can do is use what he has for the Lord, and I'll continue to try to use mine for the Lord. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, she was dead serious. There, you want me to cut it out and give it to you? Is that one? Mm-mm. Anyway, verse 7. No, no, verse uh, Nate, now, now here's what going, is going to go on now. You know what irony is? Just kind of like uh, Haman got hanged on the same gallery. He was trying to get Mordecai hanged on. That was irony. There's a lot of irony in the Bible. But Paul is using that on the people at Corinth. He says, now you all are full. Now you all are rich. You all have reigned as kings without us. He doesn't really mean that. They think they have. They're acting like they have. But Paul says, Man, I would to God you did reign, that we also might reign with you. Uh, real quick look at Romans 12, 3. Paul's trying to teach these people something.
Romans 12 and verse 3. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Don't start that highfalutin thinking of yourself. You think of yourself, he said, as, as it's written. Don't think more, uh, more highly of yourself than what's written. Uh, get too big of an opinion of ourselves. That's what he's putting down, a big opinion of yourself. Well, I just don't know how the Lord's going to get along without me. Well, he's been doing it for over 6,000 years now. I don't guess you're going to stop his work with your demise, with your decease. Hmm. That's what Job said to, to his friends. Will wisdom die with you? <laughs> when you die, there won't be no more wisdom, will there? <laughs> Well, so that's what he's teaching them. He said, For I think that God hath set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. Paul knew what was going to happen. He's, he's, all along he knew what was going to happen. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. He didn't have any illusions of grandeur about himself. He said, we are fools for Christ's sake. And not fools, just fools for Christ's sake. In the estimation of most people, they were fools. But it was for Christ's sake. You are wise in Christ. We're fools for Christ's sake. And y'all are wise in Christ. Tongue in cheek. We are weak, but y'all are strong. Now, I think you and I know the, know the truth there. Wasn't any truth in that. They weren't, they weren't strong. They were weak. Paul was strong. Y'all are honorable, but we are despised. Uh, even in this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted. That means beat about. And have no certain dwelling place. Well, Brother Paul, you all just ain't successful at all. That's what you'd get in this world. I wish I still had it. Somebody wrote up an article years ago. And it was a preacher applying to a church to be considered as pastor. And it was the Apostle Paul didn't mention his name, but mentioned his all of this stuff. All of this stuff. Why there wouldn't be a church around that would want that man. Spent most of his time in jail. Paul did. They wouldn't want somebody like that. 
didn't look very good, didn't wear, didn't wear good clothes, didn't have many to start with, was hated, lost his wife and kids because of his stand. Well, who would want a man like that to be pastor? It turns out it was the Apostle Paul. And he, did, he didn't stretch anything, just put what was there. I thought that was good. Uh, and labor. <laughs> All that's, we're hungry, thirsty, naked, buffeted, have no certain dwelling place. Well, just, well you're just vagabonds. You're just homeless, homeless preacher. Y'all want a homeless preacher? That's what you'd call that, isn't it? And labor, well, we don't want a preacher working. We want a preacher that be there for our benefit. Working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. Defamed means attacking our reputation, but we entreat as a result of that. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. Filth of the world and off-scouring? Well, off-scouring. Say you've got a, I don't know, grease trap. And you're cleaning it. And all that filth that comes off of it, that would be the off-scouring. Whatever you got that you're scrubbing that's filthy dirty, what comes off of it. Well, you scrub your floor. Then you empty that pot and see how dirty that water is. That's what off-scouring is. And that's what Paul said that in the estimation of many people, most people, that's what they were. They didn't have honorable. See, there's something else to think about. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I know what the scripture says. I'm not sure when it's going to happen. I know persecutions are already already going on in this world and all that, and I don't know what all will be done. But I do know what has happened in the past to our brethren, the Anabaptists, the Albigenses, and the Waldenses and all. But you know, say, so well, it would be some great honorable thing to, to be martyred for the cause of Christ. They're not going to let you do that. They're not going to let you have that honor. They're going to take everything away from you that they can possibly take away from you. You'll be accused of everything under the sun. Uh, They're not going to let you have any. The only ones that will know is God and those that are being treated the same way. Uh, well, right now, right now, 
you preach the truth on Facebook, and there's others. I don't know about any of the others. I've never dealt. I don't know what all they are. Anyway, hate speech. Oh, he was kicked off here because of hate speech. Well, for most people, they swallow the Kool-Aid. Well, he was just he just a hateful speaker. They don't say, well, he was he was standing for the word of God. There's some honor in that. But hate speech is not. No. He was cruel to to lesser people or people that were having troubles like the poor little transgenders and LBTQs and all that. Being defamed, we entreat. That's what, and that's what will happen. Or he, uh, he, uh, Stole money from the government on income taxes. That's already happened. Not to me, but it's happened to others. Murderers can get released from their long prison sentences after four or five years now. But you let a preacher go, and he goes for ten years or something. No let up. Anyway, Paul says, I write not these things to shame you. But as my beloved sons, I warn you. I don't think a lot of people want to be warned or they'll permit themselves to be warned. Oh, that has nothing to do with me. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I've begotten you through the gospel. You got 10,000 that'll tell you this and that and that and instruct you and all that. But you don't have many that's preached the gospel to you, pure and simple. Wherefore I beseech you, and that's the language of grace. Be you followers of me. Now you got to have a pretty straight life to tell people that. How far and wide would you want to want that to be heard? To be followers of me, you better have a pretty straight life. If you're going to do that, and he did. And for this reason have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. He didn't say I I teach in the church. He said I everywhere in every church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16 Verse 10. 
He's still talking to the church of Corinth. Now, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. So there it is, he sent Timothy uh, to work with them for this cause of I sent unto you Timothy. Uh, now, some are puffed up as though I would not come to you. Puffed up means that you done got your feelings hurt. You know, it's uh, hard enough to try to pastor a church and try to everybody be in harmony and all that. And when you got babes in Christ over here, this is getting puffed up against this and this and puffed up against this. and That can destroy a church. It's why we need to have maturity. We all need, we don't need to one person cause more trouble in that church. We need to work together and have unity. And that's what we need to do. We've got it if we can keep it. That's it. Uh, but that getting puffed up, that's, that's a sign of childishness, uh, immaturity. But it can really do great harm to a church. It can do a great harm to a home. Uh, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and we'll know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. He said, I'm not going to entertain all that. We're going to talk about the power of God. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power, as we talked about this morning. What will you, what will you have is the obvious. Shall I come unto you with a rod? Or in love and in the spirit of meekness. Which do you want? I think Paul said he could come to him either, either way. With the rod of discipline, he had the authority of God. The authority of God's word. You want me to come with the rod? Or do you want me to come in love and meekness? Well, hopefully, I think everybody would want the latter, not the former. But anyway. Uh, this next chapter... I'm not going to do the whole chapter, but we'll get started in it. Now, this chapter has more to say about church discipline than any other chapter in the Bible. Now, we've got several places in the Bible that we talk about church discipline, but this has more specifically to say about church uh, discipline. You've got Matthew 18. That's one place. You've got Romans, and you've got uh, Timothy. You've got several places, John, 1 John, 2 John, <clears throat> but this has more to say. So evidently there, there must have been a lot of problems in the church of Corinth, and there was, but it was still a church. <clears throat> but Paul was rebuking them, trying to straighten them out. So it is reported commonly, that just means that it's the talk of everybody. And all of the circles that Paul runs in is reported commonly. Did you all hear about what's going on in the church of Corinth? That's commonly reported. That there's fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. We'll take that other part in just a minute. 
Now this is a word fornication. Now here's a problem. You got the word fornication and the word adultery. Now there's some other related words, but these are the two main words, adultery and fornication. Now many preachers and people have said that fornication is sexual sin of single people and adultery is sexual sin of married people. Sometimes that's true, but it is not all the time true. And most of the time it is not. When you find adultery and fornication in the same verse, you may assume one of them talks about sexual sins of single people, unmarried, and the other sexual sins of the married. But now here, he said there's reported commonly that <coughs> there's fornication <coughs> among you. Brother Brown used to instruct on this pretty well. That fornication is a broad term. And it can include, and generally does, all kinds of sexual immorality. Adultery can be applied to marriage. And that's not marriage of two men or marriage of two women. That's not marriage. That's a marriage of a man and a woman. But sometimes these words are used interchangeably. Give you a real good example. The Ten Commandments say, Thou shalt not do adultery. Does that mean that fornication is okay? Well, now that term is used in Matthew, uh, the New Testament. The Ten Commandments are in the New Testament. And so if adultery is always sexual sins of marriage, then others are not mentioned in the Ten Commandments. Unless adultery includes it all. There's the answer. Just as fornication includes it all. Now there's a lot of preachers. Oh, good I'm sound under faith and I blah 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 blah. No, you don't know what you're talking about. You ought to shut your mouth until you find out what you're talking about. Because they obviously don't. Now look here. Fornications, not so much as named among the Gentiles, that's the heathen, ethnos, that one should have his father's wife. Wouldn't it stand? Now somebody is married there. So fornication must include married sex, sin, sexual sin. So there the word fornication includes it all. It's an inclusive term. And many times adultery is in, in the Ten Commandments. It's an inclusive term. So somebody said this is absolute. I know I, I can name them for you, buddy. And they did not know what they were talking about. And all they're done is create misery for some people. Now, he says you're puffed up. Now notice he got the puffed up back in chapter 4. Puffed up in various ways, and here's a puffed up. 
He says, you all are puffed up. That is the church at Corinth. And have not rather mourned, well, that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. So here they are. They're patting each other on the back about how kind and good and sweet that they are. Matter of fact, we've got this fellow in our church, and he's having an affair with his father's wife. Hopefully it wasn't his mother. It had to be at least his stepmother, though. And that's what he said. They're not even named among the heathen. And here it is in a, in a church of the Lord. And here, instead of you all being shamed by it, and having to and go ahead and do something about it, here you are patting yourselves on the back. Look how gracious we are. Look how look how self uh, uh, forgiving we are. That's what he said. That's what they're puffed up about. Now, that he that had done this deed might be taken away from among you. Brother Paul, are you already judging on this issue? Yes, he is. He's heard enough that he knows it's true. And so he says, verse 3, For I verily, as absent in body, he's not there with them, but present in spirit, have judged already. As though I were present concerning him that had done so done this deed. Now he says, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's his authority. When you all are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, I made a preacher mad over that thing, that verse right there. Church discipline cannot scripturally be conducted in a deacon's meeting or a pastor's meeting or any committee meeting. It cannot. Paul said, when you all are gathered together in a congregation, a church congregation, when ye, you all, that's second person plural, are gathered together, and that gathering together is in meeting in assembly, church assembly, verse 5, to deliver such an one unto Satan. Well, how do you deliver such an one unto Satan? He has to be outside the protection of the church. Uh, look at First Timothy. Uh, verse 20, chapter 1, 1 Timothy. Is that of whom was Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Well, evidently Paul had some authority there to do that. But they were outside of the protection of the church. Now what protection do you have in the church? In the assembly? Well, if you are in 
scripturally in a scriptural church, then you have a good profession of faith. You have scriptural baptism. And you have the fellowship of the assembly. Dwelling in that assembly is the Holy Spirit who came to dwell in that assembly on the day of Pentecost. So what do we have in the church, believe it or not? We have protection from Satan in this world. It does matter when you get excluded from a church. Now, these so-called preachers and pastors that are money-hungry, nickels and noses, that'll take church members from other churches that have been disciplined and take them in by statement, and there's a bunch of them, and they're worse now than it ever was, but that's what destroyed the fellowship around this area, was taking excluded church members. Oh, you come on over here, we'll take you. We don't need them out there. We don't need him out there. We'll just, we'll take them anyway. Yeah, and that's what they've done. They've destroyed the fellowship. And whether they know it or not, the decisions that churches make before the Lord, scriptural decisions, are backed up by the authority of heaven. Anyway, that he should have been delivered unto Satan. That's outside of the, the protection of the church. Now I know you've got the, the Stanleys, you've got, the, uh, you, you've got all these folks, the universal invisible church heretics, you got all of them. Oh well, a little local church doesn't matter. That's what the that's that's what they're talking about. What really matters is that big universal invisible church in the sky that everybody's a member of. They're a bunch of liars. They're a bunch of heretics. Jesus did not die for a universal invisible nothing. He died in a special way. For his kind of church. And that's where he's carried on his work. Anyway. So. That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now I think that's dependent on if that man was really saved or not. If he wasn't really saved that's not going to happen. But if he was saved. The idea is there. To get him straightened out. So his life will be saved. Now he says, your glorying is not good. They're glorying in their, in their magnanimity. Oh, how magnanimous, how magnanimous we are. That's a hard word to say. He said, it's not good. Don't glory in stuff that contradicts the Lord. People do it all the time. I've had old deacons come up to me. Preacher, you know I've been at this thing a long time. And I done figured out that the worst thing that a man can do is sin against his fellow man. I said, no, sir, you know, I don't agree with that. Sin... If it's not against God, it ain't worth talking about. 
But sin is against God. That's what Paul, uh, David said in Psalm 51. He said, my sin is against thee, and against thee only have I sinned. I mean, he, got, he had uh, Uriah killed and committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he says, against thee, and thee only have I sinned. David knew where his sin belonged. It was against God. After that, you take care of the other things. But there, there's where sin is, not against your fellow man. Of course not. Anyway, know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You look in uh, Matthew 13, the parables of the kingdom, and there was that lump of dough, and that woman put that leaven in that lump of dough. Some preachers say that's the gospel. Well, if that's true, then you don't need preachers. Because that leaven spreads itself. Take that miss, badly misinterpretation of that parable and go right against the very thing that you think you're for. We're for the ever, preaching the gospel to every creature, are we not? We are evangelical. Yeah, and they say they are too. But they take that and destroy it right there. No, leaven is not the gospel. Uh, a little leaven, leaven's a lump. Now, what's he talking about? In this context, the leaven is what that fella that's in that church is what he's doing. And it's commonly known. It's not like, it's commonly known. Everybody knows what's going on. But guess what? Nothing happens by itself like that. Uh, see, right now, everybody loves lying because of their president. Well, he's a liar. I can be one too. And that's what kind of influence. That's what he's saying. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. Here you, you're trying, you're keeping this in your church. And all the time it's working, it's leaven's working. And you are perverting other people's minds, little kids and all of that. They grow up, well, they, he can do it like he and I. Need to understand the way leaven works is it works. Creepy crawly stuff. It just works its way through every molecule until it's thoroughly leavened. That's why leaven works. Anyway, we'll finish that up next time.